Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 620 for the 2nd of December, 2018. This week, although it's far from being my favorite Creative Cloud application, Adobe Illustrator 2019 adds some features that will please users and might even convince me to give it some love. In short circuits, checking the safety and validity of a link before following it is always a good idea, and a service from Google makes the process fast, painless, and easy. Adding network-attached storage to a home network is the easiest way to share files, and the price is right now that several consumer-grade routers make it possible to attach a USB drive and convert it to a network drive. More than half a million Android users have downloaded malicious apps that they could have avoided by following four easy steps. And yes, I will explain what those steps are. In spare parts, only on the website, Dictionary.com has named misinformation as the word of the year, but I wonder if disinformation might not have been a better choice. Electric cars aren't meeting sales projections, and research suggests that there are a couple of valid reasons for that. And if you're thinking of buying a new car, Edmunds now offers a best cars section on their website to help with the decision. Adobe Illustrator is an application that seems not to have had many substantial improvements in recent update cycles, but the 2019 version that was recently released to Creative Cloud members includes a number of remarkable features and some hints about improvements to come. Of all the applications in the Creative Cloud suite of applications, I can definitely say that Illustrator is one of them. It always seemed to lag behind Corel Draw in capabilities while simultaneously being much harder to use. In other words, it's never been my favorite application. Illustrator 2019 might change that. Illustrator is still one of the harder applications to master. It is, though, the standard application that professional designers use to create vector graphics that are used for logos, charts, icons, and sometimes full illustrations or advertisements even though there is a page layout program called InDesign, and it's a better choice most of the time. We'll talk about InDesign in another program. Illustrator 2019 offers some welcome interface improvements, new ways to create gradients, and a new feature that Adobe calls Smart Edit. Let's start with the user interface tweaks. This is a feature I suspect we'll see in upcoming versions of other Adobe applications. Monitor manufacturers are creating screens with more resolution than ever before. Illustrations and photographs are gorgeous on these screens, but more pixels on the screen means that each pixel is smaller, and the result of that is that text is smaller than ever before. The words on menus can be so small that they're difficult to read. Depending on the monitor's resolution, the user interface panel in Preferences will display one or more size options for the text. In the illustration you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, five options exist. 
small the default through several increasing steps to large. For me, the most comfortable position is one step up from small. Users can also choose to have the cursor scale with the interface, and that's a good idea. Several improvements are present on the application's artboard screen, too. The tools panel on the left side of the screen has been pared down a bit, but it still has far more options than you'll find in many competing applications. Now, though, users can easily control which tools are present by clicking on the ellipsis dots at the bottom of the panel, fill and stroke controls, color controls, draw mode controls, and screen mode controls can all be turned off or on easily, and individual tools may be activated or added to the tools panel from a complete list of tools. This is a huge improvement over the previous method. When a component or object is selected, a much more comprehensive properties panel provides access to frequently used settings. If those were the only changes made in this version of Illustrator, that would be sufficient for celebration. But wait, as they used to say on those late-night TV commercials, there's more. Another new feature in the 2019 version of Illustrator is called Smart Edit, and it looks like technology that might have been borrowed from the user experience designer, Adobe XD. To understand Smart Edit requires a little bit of background. Some graphics, maps, and charts are pretty good examples for this, contain objects that are repeated many times. Think of symbols that show groundwater contamination on a map, for example. Maybe the designer first was asked to create a map for a single state or even a single city that had only three locations with contaminated groundwater. Rather than create a symbol that could then be reused, the designer might have simply created a small graphic and pasted it into the three locations. Well, then later, the map is expanded to cover the entire United States or North America or maybe even eventually the entire world. Now there are hundreds, maybe thousands of these little graphics all over the map. Then the person who requested the map says, now, wait a minute, those images should be a different color. The designer should obviously have created a symbol so that a single change to one would affect them all. But the designer didn't do that. So now what? This is where SmartEdit steps in. SmartEdit makes it possible to identify one of the images and then have Illustrator find the dozens or hundreds or even thousands of identical items throughout the illustration and change them all with a single edit. After selecting one item to change, then select the matching criteria, select Global Edit, make the changes you want to make, and click Stop Global Edit. That's it. This feature shows attention by the software engineers to making the application work the way people use it instead of forcing people to use it the way the software engineers built it. In other words, the application is forgiving when people make mistakes. Finding the right typeface is a lot easier, too. Selecting a text object reveals the character tool. As the user scrolls over the available typefaces, the selected text is displayed using that face. Given the hundreds of faces available, there are filter options that help you pare down what you're looking at. The filter has two selections, classification and properties. Classification specifies the kind of typeface, sans serif, serif, block serif, script, black letter, monospace, and decorative. Properties are used to further define the typeface as light, regular, or bold, narrow, normal, or wide, low, normal, or high x-height, 
low, regular, or high contrast between thin and wide strokes, and faces with upper and lower case or just upper case, and finally, lining or old-style numbers. Old-style numbers? Uh, those are the ones that are positioned differently on the baseline. They don't all line up. Really a bad idea on a spreadsheet, but a great idea in body text. One oddity I did notice while resizing the text is that a feature added at long last to Photoshop is still missing from Illustrator. To lock the text or component perspective, the user has to press Shift while dragging a corner or a side. Many Adobe apps share parts of the code base, but apparently this isn't one of those shared components, and now it gives users something to look forward to in future releases. Several less notable improvements are included, too, and some of them are less notable only because the ones I've described in detail are so significant. Absent some of the headliner improvements, the also-ran improvements could have been contenders. Gradients, for example, can be puzzling. Two primary types have existed, linear and radial. Linear gradients change colors in a straight line. Radial gradients change color from the inside out or the outside in, whichever way you want to go. Now there's a new option that Adobe refers to as Freeform, and it has two modes. First, though, consider a user interface improvement that makes it possible for designers to select gradient colors with a color picker. Until now, that has not been possible, and the absence of this feature led to a lot of muttering. Now, finally, it's possible to select a color that exists in the artwork without having to create a swatch. But the most significant change for gradients is that new ability to create a gradient on a path. Freeform's points mode can shade areas around a color stop. In plain English, a color stop is a point. The lines mode shades areas around a line, which can be straight or curved. This is a tool you're going to need to spend some time mastering, but Adobe and others have lots of tutorials that explain exactly how it works. Professional designers who have to hold progress meetings with their clients will be happy to find a new trim view. When a document will be printed with ink that goes all the way to the edge of the paper, it has to be designed with what's called a trim area. Usually it's about an eighth of an inch. The document is then printed on oversized paper that is trimmed. Applications such as Illustrator show the trim area, but sometimes that confuses clients. The trim view shows only what will appear on the page after the design has been printed and trimmed. So designers who have a pointy-haired boss, for example, can just ignore the confusing bits. Puppet Warp was added to the Illustrator 2018 version. It has been improved in the 2019 edition. Adobe's artificial intelligence starts by establishing inflection points that seem appropriate for the illustration. If you agree, just continue. If not, you can move them around. And Illustrator now has external GPU support for macOS users. Also, when the user zooms an Illustrator document, the application creates a bitmap that's displayed during the zoom and then restores the vector image. That makes the zoom appear to be smoother than in the past. And those who are Adobe stock members will find a new double-check step in the licensing process. In the past, you'd be shown the file name of an image that you'd selected for licensing. Now you'll also see a thumbnail image, so you can be absolutely certain that the image you're licensing is really the one you want. So the bottom line, Five Cats Adobe Illustrator finally looks like a winner. Illustrator has always seemed to be needlessly complex and too limited. 
but the 2019 version includes enough changes to convince even a skeptic like me. Creative Cloud users will be delighted, and at the very least, it's worth taking a look at even for those who use other vector graphics applications. If you'd like additional details, you'll find them on the Adobe website. There is, of course, a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. In short circuits, how safe is that link? When somebody sends you a link, what do you do? Maybe you examine it to see if it looks suspicious. If the link is to mycorosoft.com or goggle.com, you probably won't click it. By the way, goggle.com is licensed to someone in the Cayman Islands, but Microsoft actually has licensed mycorosoft.com, and if you type that in, it'll just silently direct you to the right page. Scammers often use misspellings of common names, and some companies have registered a lot of those common misspellings to limit the damage. You can't count on an organization to think of every possible misspelling of their domain name, though. And it's even more challenging when somebody sends you a shortened link or a link to a domain you've never heard of. Google's Transparency Report can help. When you enter a link, the Transparency Report quickly returns information about whether the site is safe or not. Not every page of every website is indexed every day, though, and sometimes the information will be a few days old. TechBiter.com is apparently considered safe because the most recent security scan was more than two weeks ago. But another URL that I provided had been checked the very same day and had been found to be unsafe. The Transparency Report is part of Google's Safe Browsing Initiative that routinely discovers new unsafe sites. Many of these are legitimate websites that have been compromised by hackers. Unsafe sites are categorized in one of two ways, ones that attempt to trick users into revealing information, or phishing, and those that attempt to place malware on the victim's computer. As of late November, the site showed nearly 30,000 phishing sites and about 3,000 malware sites. The highest figure for malware was recorded in June of 2009 with nearly 77,000 sites. The highest figure for phishing sites, February 2016, about 60,000 sites. Google says common types of malware include ransomware, spyware, viruses, worms, and Trojan horses. So checking a URL before clicking the link is a good precaution, and it takes just a few seconds. Those who have more than one computer at home often need a way to transfer files between systems. It's easy enough to set up a shared drive on one computer or the other, but then both computers need to be powered on when you want to get a file that's on the other computer. There is a better way. Network-attached storage drives aren't new, but dedicated network-attached storage drives tend to be pricey. In recent years, some routers have been equipped with one or more USB ports that can accept connections from an external hard drive. This makes the process of installing network-attached storage a lot easier. Because the USB drive is connected to the router, 
Any files saved on the NAS drive will be available to any computer on the network at any time, and that includes Windows, Mac OS, and Linux systems. The process is generally pretty easy. You start by logging on to the router. Hold it. You have changed the default password, haven't you? If not, you should. Next, locate the router setting that refers to network-attached storage. Manufacturers often give this their own clever little names. Netgear, for example, calls it ReadyShare. The router should automatically detect the USB drive you've plugged in. If not, the problem is likely with the disk drive, not the router. The router will step you through the process of creating a folder on the disk drive and will then offer various additional options. You may, for example, be able to make the NAS drive accessible from the Internet using HTTPS or FTPS protocols. But unless you have an exceptionally good reason for needing that access, I recommend not doing it. Some routers allow for encrypted connections locally and other security measures. And once you get the NAS drive set up, while you're still in there looking at the router's control panel, that'd be a really good time to review a few security measures. Just about every router manufactured uses admin for the administrator, and this often cannot be changed. Likewise, the manufacturers usually use password as the password. This must be changed, and the password should be both robust and long. If the router is still using WPS for security and you don't have the option to set up WPA2, well, it's time to get a new router. If WPA2 is available, use it. You may also want to give your Wi-Fi service set identifier, the SSID, a name that doesn't identify you. And then make sure the passphrase is not something that can be easily guessed. Most routers allow remote access. Disable it. There's virtually no instance in which most people need that feature. Check to see if there's a firmware update for your router while you're in there, and if there is, install it. And finally, if your router offers a logging option, it doesn't hurt to turn that on. Half a million Android users have downloaded malware-laced apps from the Google Play Store. Maybe you're wondering how apps that contain malware pop up in the Play Store so often. That's a good question. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to have a good answer. Check the TechBiter Worldwide website for a screenshot of the bad apps. ESET Security lists 13 apps that have been downloaded more than 560,000 times. The user is prompted to download a game center that the app says it needs. The app then runs its startup, has full network access, and can view network and Wi-Fi connections. Even so, those clear signs were insufficient to discourage a lot of users. ESET's Lucas Stefanko says that users can easily protect themselves by following four simple rules. These are the rules. Number one look only at the number of app installations under the Additional Information section at the bottom of the page, not what the developer claims. The developer might claim 100,000 downloads, but if you look under Additional Information, you find that there have only been 10. Second, Google Play does not use a blue verified checkmark symbol. If the app is a legitimate editor's choice, you'll find a badge in the top right corner of the application's page. Third, 
Before downloading, read the app's user reviews, because those who have downloaded a fake app sometimes come back and post warning messages. And fourth, if the app is new or shows only a few downloads, why not wait a few days to see if it's legitimate? No waiting needed for spare parts, but you'll find it only on the website. This week, Dictionary.com has named misinformation as the word of the year. But I wonder if disinformation might not have been a better choice. Electric cars aren't meeting sales projections, and research suggests that there are a couple of valid reasons for that. And if you are thinking about buying a new car, Edmunds now offers a Best Cars section on their website to help with that decision. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.